What's up, everybody? I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And got some more fried squirms this week. We're going to be talking about The Invisible Man. Just came out this fucking year. Dude, COVID movie. Yeah, it is. It sure is. Before we get there, let's get some green hits. I know you already got this lit up a little bit. I'm going to light mine while you tell the people what we're smoking because yeah. we both got the same thing going this week. So No problem. So today we both have a joint of blackjack which is a hybrid strain now this particular strain it is a cross of black domina and jack Herrer. now that jack Herrer, i mean that's something we've brought to the table several times it's a classic yeah it's a classic strain one of my favorite sativas i really enjoy that one a lot so with this particular strain it has a heavy and flavorful taste and it produces exceptionally long-lasting effects because of its high THC levels, it is popular among medical marijuana patients, which we are a part of. And this particular strain that we got clocks in around 30% on the THC level. So, Dude, I smoked um, one of these joints the other yeah. day. I got lit AF. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, so for those who are curious, it does help with feeling relaxed. You'll feel happy. You'll feel uplifted, a little euphoric and creative. So all of those are going to be really helpful for today's episode and i already got a little bit of blueberry silver tip in my system from nice. earlier too so we'll see i'm gonna have to take it easy today or else <laughs> i'm gonna be fucking passed out over here you're gonna be doing one you'll be man the real show. invisible man yeah <laughs> you'll be doing a one-man show anyway that's our green hats we got the blackjack going both of us this week and it's already fucking tasty let's get into the guts and bolts of the invisible man Guts and Bolts. All right, so we got the Guts and Bolts. Who and what went into the making of this movie? And my spoiler-free setup, if you want to know what this movie's about, and you're listening to us tell you about it because... You love us. You, yeah, well, you love us, and apparently you take the word of two fucking stoners from Montana over... The good word. <laughs> <laughs> over other shits, so... I feel like the trailers for this movie gave away a lot of what's going on. I guess spoiler-free is still... I mean, the, still, the name itself. It's the Invisible Man, except I guess the twist is, like, Elizabeth Moss is being tormented by her husband, who's a gaslighting prick. Like, this is all in the trailer, so... Yeah. And is the Invisible Man. And it's kind of like hollow man but it's not from kevin bacon's perspective it's not quite like hollow man it's way better than hollow man but yeah that's the setup right without getting Pretty into spoilers much. like yeah, there's not much to spoil other than the very like end of how it all winds up but for the most part yeah yeah all right so from week to week we like to talk about the people who go into making the film and the people who act in the film and this week we have a gentleman that we are absolutely no strangers to because we are talking about our director and writer, Lee Winnell. And Lee Winnell, we actually talked about him way back on episode 43 when we reviewed the movie Saw. Is that that fucking long ago? Yeah, I, I kept digging and kept digging. Are you kidding me? I was like, when the fuck did we do this movie? And I was like, wow, that was a long time ago. And we haven't done any of the other Saws yet? No, we haven't. No, we have not. So, Which I think he had limited work with the rest of the franchise but yeah. still like i was always kind of putting off some of the other saws because it kind of felt like we did it just not that long ago but it's been like two years i know it's crazy when you look at some of these episode numbers you're like holy shit 
<laughs> All right. So as far as directing credits, I'll name a few because he has a few. And some of those films include Insidious Chapter 3. He's also responsible for directing the film Upgrade. And he's got a couple of films in pre-production. Right now, he's got Wolfman in pre-production. He also has Upgrade, the television series in pre-production, and Escape from New York in pre-production, which is really neat. Oh, yeah. they tapped him for the Escape from New York? Yeah. They've been trying to remake that movie for a hot almost minute. two decades now. Yeah. Like... You never know. Yeah. And that's one of those ones that I'd kind of rather they'd leave alone, but... At the same time, like I'm pretty on record as being decently down with reboots. So if you get the right yeah. vision behind it, I'm still gonna fucking watch it. So exactly, maybe Lee Wanell. I mean, this was good. So okay. yeah, no, anyway, I'm going off on tangents already. <laughs> no problem. So I did mention that he is one of the writers. The reason why is because the other <laughs> it was the novel based off of H.G. Wells's The Invisible Man. Some writing credits I will give Lee Wanell. I actually do include the screenplays for Saw, Saw 2, and Part 3. He's also responsible for Insidious and Insidious Chapter 2, a movie I've actually heard about, actually some really good things about. I just haven't seen it yet, but it's the film Cooties. It has Elijah Wood and some other notable actors and actresses. Also, Insidious Chapter 3, Insidious The Last Key. I already mentioned that he was the director of Upgrade, but he also helped write the film. And once again, for the upcoming projects... Wolfman and the television series Upgrade. So, yeah. I, mean, I keep hearing really good things about Upgrade as well. I've heard some really good things as well. I mean, I even watched a spoiler free review just to kind of, you know, match my notes and stuff, whatnot. And yeah, they were mentioning that on the review that it was really good. So, it's got me curious. All right. So, moving forward, we have cinematographer Stefan Duccio, and he's known for some really interesting projects. Some of them include the music video for Beyonce's Ghost. If you've ever seen the film The Mule or Backtrack, he's responsible for those films. He's also responsible for being the cinematographer on the film Jungle and the film we just mentioned a little while ago, Upgrade. Our editor is Andy Canny, and they're responsible for the films The Loved Ones, which is something I highly recommend, really good Australian horror film. Also responsible for the film The Mule, the Devil's Candy. I know it's one that we both enjoy. Oh, yeah, yeah, Devil's Candy was fun. And no surprise, also responsible for editing Upgrade. All right, the music was composed by Benjamin Walfish, and Benjamin's got some really cool projects underneath his belt as well. So when you look through some of his filmography, it includes such titles as The Escapist, if you've ever seen such things as Hammer of the Gods, the film Desert Dancer, Bhopal, A Prayer for Rain, film Lights Out, the film Hidden Figures, A Cure for Wellness, Annabelle Creation. He also helped score Andy Machete's It back in 2017, Blade Runner 2049, the film The Vanishing, the film Shazam, Neil Marshall's Hellboy, It Chapter 2, and the upcoming Mortal Kombat. So some really cool stuff, man. All right, we have special effects teams where Odd Studio, they help with the invisibility suit design and Cutting Edge help with the visual effects. Produced by Jason Blum and Kylie Dufresne. There was a litany of production companies, so I'll run right through them. Universal Pictures, Blumhouse Productions, Goldpost Pictures, Nervous Tick Productions, Screen Australia, Government Australia, and the New South Wales government. So a lot of names on this project. 
The distributor was Universal Pictures for this year's release. That's 2020. It had a release date on February 24th, 2020. That was its Hollywood, California premiere. And then stateside, February 28th, 2020. This is something you and I mentioned, too. Like, it went... Uh, was it like VOD? You could rent this about a really month, soon, yeah. like right after it's released because it's COVID year. So <laughs> it was right when I'd start, like, because it was in theaters and I wasn't quite sure about it. And then I started to hear some really good things about it. And I'm like, well, I might go see it while it's still in theaters. And then COVID hit. Yeah. And then I was like, nope. <laughs> And then I wasn't quite willing to shell out like the twenty dollars it yeah. was that first like month or whatever. I mean, if I was going to watch it with maybe a group of people, yeah, you know, yeah, then it'd be nothing. But not just for myself. I'm like, eh, but now that I can it's wait. been out for a bit, and I was able to rent it for like nine bucks or whatever yeah, I that like, I did on Amazon. I can't remember. I rented it. Fuck it. Yeah. Why not? All right. So cool. All right, it had a budget of an estimated $7 million, and it grossed, this is worldwide, $133.7 million. That is literally the Blumhouse model. Right, that's Blumhouse up and down. They Dude. keep doing the, all right, we'll do it sub 10. Yeah. We want 100 back. Give us a good concept. Right. <laughs> fucking make it work. Killing it, man. Jason Blum is killing it. All right, this has a really cool tagline. It's pretty obvious, but the tagline is, what you can't see can hurt you. All right, so moving ahead, we've got a really cool cast, and I'm going to lead off with Elizabeth Moss, who plays the role of Cecilia Cass in this film. Now, if you look at some of Elizabeth's projects, she's got some actually really cool ones prior to some of her more notable films and uh, television series, but I'll go back a little bit, and I'm looking at such things as uh, The Last Supper. This is like back in 95. She was also in Girl Interrupted back in 99. She was also in the film The Missing. She was in The Attic. And then when you move forward a little bit, such films as Get Him to the Greek back in 2010, Green Lantern, Emerald Knights. Uh, she voiced Rizia Rab for that. I mean, we watched her pretty recently in Us. Yeah, that's a good point. Just last year mm -hmm. she was in that as well, yeah. Yeah, I know she's got some TV roles because my sister actually, she watches The Handmaid's Tale. Now, this one I've been told to watch several times. And she was also in Mad Men. So that's probably some more of her notable roles in television. All right, we have Oliver Jackson Cohen who plays the role of Adrian Griffin. And some of his filmography titles include such films as Going the Distance. You might have seen him in the film The Raven from 2012. Despite the Falling Snow and The Healer, and some of his television credits include such things as Dracula. He played Jonathan Harker for 10 episodes back in 2013 through 14. He was also in The Haunting of Hill House Dude, in 2018. A lot of people fucking loved that. I haven't watched it yet, but... Yeah, I'm kind of curious about it, but yeah, some pretty cool television roles as well. All right, moving forward, we have Harriet Dyer. She plays the role of Emily Cass, and some of her film credits include such things as Reuben Guthrie. She was in the film Down Under and Killing Ground, and some of her television roles include such things as The In-Between for 10 episodes uh, back in 2019. She was also a part of The Other Guy in 2017 through 19, and No Activity from 2015 through 16. All right, we have Aldous Hodge, who plays the role of James Lanier in this film. Straight and out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. Yeah, he's got some pretty cool titles, man. He was in Die Hard with a Vengeance back in 95. He was in Big Mama's House back in 2000. He was in a film, man, I probably need to rewatch it, but when I went and seen it in the theater, dude, I almost fell asleep. 
was uh, the film The Lady Killers, mm. which is a remake. All right, he was also in such things as uh, you just mentioned it straight out of Compton, which is really cool. Yeah, it was MC Ren. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, What Men Want. And this year he's got the films Magic Camp and One Night in Miami. Some people might have seen him back in 99 because he was in the episode Fear Itself of Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a masked teen. This is really cool. He was also part of the ATOM, Adam, television series. He voiced King Rekka for 52 episodes back in 2005 through 6. Some people might have seen him in six episodes of Friday Night Lights back in 2006 or 7 as Ray Voodoo Tatum. And more recently, he's voiced Grand Theft Auto San Andreas as a pedestrian and Corey Harrison in NBA 2K19, which is kind of interesting. And you might have also seen him in an episode of Black Mirror, the Black Museum back in 2017. All right. We have Storm Reed, who plays the role of Sydney Lanier, who is the daughter of James Lanier in this film. But she was in such films as 12 Years a Slave. You might have seen her in A Wrinkle of Time. She was also in Don't Let Go. And it looks like the upcoming The Suicide Squad, which is in post-production. Go listen to me talk on General Nerdery a lot about The Suicide Squad this past week. Nice, Because uh, they dropped a teaser for it. So we had our longest news segment ever. That's Partially awesome, thanks man. to the fucking Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Yeah, I was just looking through some of her television credits. I think more recently, if you've ever heard the voice of Nia in The Bravest Night, you probably heard her voice for 13 episodes. And Euphoria, which is from last year and the present for eight episodes as Gia Bennett. So some television roles there. We also have Michael Dorman, who plays the role of Tom Griffin. Now, he's been in such things as The Secret Life of Us from uh, 2002 through 2005. He was also in such things as Daybreakers from 2009. He was also in Sleeping Beauty back in 2011. You might have seen him in Wonderland television series back in 2013 through 15. He was also part of the Patriot television series from 2015 and 18. And last year, he was in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Lies. Right, and last but not least, I have Benedict Hardy who plays the role of Mark, who is the architect during a job interview. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. All right, and just looking through some of his film credits, uh, he was in the film Frank and Jerry back in 2011. He was in such things as Upgrade from 2018. He was also in the film Necrotronic back in 2018 and Secret City television series from 2019. So yeah, that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief kind of description, a spoiler-free setup of what this film entails. Should give you some warnings heading into the film. Language. Yep, there's some language. There's, uh, there's some... Uh, heavily implied marital rape. Yeah, that's for sure. I was just thinking there's, there's some attempted suicide... Oh, yeah. I mean, kind of. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Kind of. I will say it this. It was plan B. The UK <laughs> had to cut it out because they said that, or at least in the ratings board, if there's anything implied like that, they have to give it like an 18 rating, which is the equivalent of an NC-17 here in the States. So mm. that's why I was like, ah, maybe just in case. But We'll talk about it later. I yeah. Remember, like, it is, but it's not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think they were looking too much into it, but that's about pretty basic. Yeah. It's a $7 million There's movie. There's no nudity like, or anything like that, so yeah. yeah. I guess let's just get into talking about it. How did it make us squeal?
How does that make you squeal? All right, Invisible Man. I don't know about you, but I and I think I might have already alluded to this a little bit. I was a little apprehensive going into it because more often than not, updates of the original Universal monsters tend not to hit so well. Yeah, they kind of go belly up for the most part. So this was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, considering. I agree with you there. I had heard a lot of really good things before actually watching it, because it was this weekend that I finally watched it. And yeah. I've heard from, even from like people I wasn't expecting to hear good things from, like say good shit about it. So Right on. I was, you know... That eased going into it, but yeah, that's I, I, why I also didn't catch it in theaters, since <laughs> it was directly pre-COVID, and I was going to a lot of movies when I could. So You know, that's that's a fair assessment there, man. <laughs> yeah, so once again, this is my first foray into this version of it, because more recently, I think it was right around the time we reviewed Creature from the Black Lagoon, I also watched the original Invisible Man. Right, I also wanted, Rains. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to sneak in another Universal because I was like, I've probably seen bits and pieces of them when I was younger because my uncle and dad and mm-hmm. whatnot, they were all into that kind of stuff. And I'm sure I was around, but just never paid attention. So anyway, I have a little bit of background, I guess you could say, as far as if you want to do comparisons with the old film, with this film and what have you, but yeah, I never did read the novel. I've seen it, but it's been way longer than since you've seen it. Yeah, I, I think I watched it like two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, the like last time I saw it was before we were even doing this show. So I don't, yeah, I never did read it. I know some of the key differences between some of the different versions because I did read about it back when Hollow Man came out. <laughs> That's funny. But even that though that sense, was though. an unofficial adaptation, whereas these other ones are official adaptations. Yeah. But. Yeah, I never did read it either. Like I said, I'm a fan of H.G. Wells. I actually want to... I never really delved too much into sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But there were some authors I really liked. He was one of them because I was a big fan of The Time Machine. Love that book. So, you know, I have a little bit of knowledge about The Gentleman, but, yeah, like I said, never really read the novel. But anyhow, yeah, I... Without spoiling too much, like, I enjoyed this film. Maybe not as much as I, I felt like I could have. I'll just say that for now. I don't know what you could have took out. Yeah. But this movie feels long at two hours. It kind of does. Like, I was starting to check out by the end a little (laughs) bit. Yeah. There's very small segments of it that I'm not the biggest fan of. Overall, I think it's pretty fucking great. Yeah. There's one neat aspect to rewatching it, but otherwise I felt it was a little bit weaker upon rewatch, and I can't attribute that to anything in particular <laughs> right now, but right. it might have just been my own state of mind upon rewatch, but I don't know. Like, I, I do really dig it, and I would, like, highly recommend people check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. likewise. It's, <clears throat> it's a very accessible film. Yeah, and, like, the TLDR version of this is, like, maybe one of the best universal adaptations we've ever had, but parts of it still were kind of just, eh, Yeah, okay. that's, that's what I was getting at. I was like, there are some moments where it keeps you involved, and then there are some moments it's just kind of plod. And you know, and it builds. First the, time is especially cool, though. Be, for sure, you're right. I think second time because you already know it's just like okay, we're just kind of it's very procedural. <laughs> I do wish I would have saw this in the theater. It would have been fun. I think some of the sound design would have had a better impact in the theater too. Yeah. I don't have a bad sound system, but I think in the theater setting, it would have very much added to some of this experience. 
especially because there are some audible clues for the danger. But Exactly. And I think that's another solid point to make is when you take out a certain element, right? If you can't replicate what a theater experience is like with sound and even just having people around too, that kind of adds to it as well. Mm-hmm. There's like elements missing. And I agree with you there because I know with the premise, because it is the invisible man, is that it does have to rely on certain sound cues and it builds dread and tension and things like that. And if you don't have that at home, it, it takes away from the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel I, I felt like that lacked on my end too. So, Also with a movie that already has such a small budget comparatively to a lot of other movies yeah. we see, they probably could have knocked off like another $40,000 just by not having such an intricate opening title sequence with the, <laughs> the water splashing yeah. off. The f- I read about that. It was like Leonel wanted to do like, that. Ah, do we have an extra yeah. couple thousand? Yeah, let's do this instead. <laughs> Yeah, what the man wanted, what the man wanted, I suppose. But yeah, I know what you're saying. And uh, what I think is kind of interesting about this film is that it drops you in the middle of scenarios. In this case, like the very opening is you're dropped into a middle of a situation where Elizabeth Moss's character, Cecilia, looks like she's trying to escape whatever situation she's in and you don't really know what danger she's in, if she is in, in danger. Part of it is she's obviously having to stay quiet so she can't say anything to give you any plot exposition. Yeah. And so you have to sort of figure it out. You're like, okay, she's waking up. She's worried about something. Is the Invisible yeah. Man happening already? And then you're like, oh, oh, she's getting away from him. Yeah, exactly. So the second time through, and it made more sense when you see the film, of course, in its entirety the first time through, is that when she wakes up and she's taken the cover off, her husband or boyfriend, whatever, he has his hand on her stomach. Mm. And typically that's like a sign of someone's pregnant. Oh, shit. And I was like, that's pretty clever. Yeah, because we find out, spoiler, much later on, that there's something you know implicated with that between the two. So upon my rewatch, like I said, overall my, my experience was a little bit lessened. Yeah. This opening scene is one of the things that really stood out because... This opening scene, they do a really good job of training you as to what the camera is going to do for the rest of the movie whenever there's danger. Yep, exactly. There's times where the camera doesn't have to pan over to look at him because she's holding the camera in her hand. But it's not for her, it's for you. Exactly. Because this is how the camera is going to act when danger's around. And so then later in the movie, when there isn't anything to see (laughs) and the camera starts acting that way, it ratchets up your tension, whether somebody's there or not, because sometimes the camera does that shit and you're missing the audio clue. So like I said, once again, it's something that's lacking from the home end if you don't have a really good setup for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you're right. I think the the interesting thing and the, not that it's unique, but it's clever in terms of the, the filmmaking for this is because, you know, you can't see the danger. There's certain things. And the way, too, that the camera chooses to frame certain things and these exposures that you get, it also gives you another kind of clue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's an ominous presence. There's well, something close by. One of my favorite things, and it's not jumping ahead too far from the very beginning, but when she gives the present to Sydney and they're all celebrating in the living room, 
and then you get that shot the hallway that's, shot that's not just behind one corner yeah. but it's like two corners away yeah exactly like someone's peeking and they're out. way in the background and it feels exactly like somebody's peeking out and it's yeah. not like an exact pov like you're not getting the handy cam and no, shit no, but, but you can tell just from the angle like you said it's like around a corner looking through the hallway from a different room i mean this movie's really beautifully shot all the tension in this movie yeah. is because of the way that they shoot things because there's not a lot of like they don't even do a lot of like seeing doorknobs turn which i think you'd see a lot more in like older yeah. invisible anything adaptations <laughs> like when he turns up the heat on the stove you don't see that you're not at an angle to see that it just happens and you have to put it together yep yeah and that's Another thing too, yeah, that it separates itself from the, a couple times you see shit. Obviously, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you just can't help. It's that. more towards the end when shit goes crazy. Yeah, anyway. but but in these cases too, because you're still trying to figure it out. Like, is this really happening? And then you go, oh yeah, because you're getting a different effect, mm-hmm. and you you like you said, you're having to piece it together as opposed to it showing you, like directly showing you. And I think that is really cool. And then when you finally do get the reveal, you're like, oh shit, this is pretty cool. Yeah. I like all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I guess kind of easy way to breeze through it because this story, for as much as it plods, is actually a pretty simple story, right? We already mentioned that Elizabeth Moss's character, she's escaping her situation, right? She Super literally runs out of, yeah. Her husband. Right, and her sister comes, picks her up in the middle of the night. But before she can make the clean getaway, the husband, boyfriend, Adrian, whatever, like smashes the window but she drops her diazepam pill bottle Mm -hmm. right and that's kind of how that sequence ends and then it's two weeks later and she's staying with james and his daughter sydney i wish they would have expounded on the weird relationship with the sister more even before the email that happens later in the movie happens they weren't on great terms yeah you could tell there was a little something there and they never get a chance to go into it before the big crazy event happens (laughs) wow yeah you know what i mean and it seems like they might have been getting there if they would have been allowed to keep having that conversation yeah just airing things out because maybe you can assume that something like that email isn't the first time something's like that's happened and even before adrian was quote unquote dead maybe he'd done other things to sour the relationship between the two yeah since that is a thing that gaslighting shithead abusers do exactly but we're left with just like they have a weird relationship and you were just getting like maybe a corner piece out of the puzzle (laughs) it feels like in two hours you should have been able to address it but once again i don't know what part of this movie you could necessarily cut out either yeah i know what you mean I understand maybe the quandary that they were in because I don't know how to work that in. But I think you hit the nail on the head is that it doesn't necessarily have to give you all of that. I think it's already implied, like you said, that this guy's manipulative. So chance to reason that he might have done this in the past. And you're right. It might have set off alarms and hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I do find that interesting too. Long story short is (laughs) one of the notes I wrote down at the beginning, it's like, this is so fucking silly. I'm like, I get it, but it's silly is when James has her go out to the mailbox oh, yeah. to get the mail, and then she sees that guy running by, and she freaks out. <laughs> like, all right. I mean, it's you get it. You know, it's for her to, she sees a guy with, you know, in a hood and glasses jogging. It could be her husband. But I'm like, it's kind of silly. Now, do you think it was, though? 
Because it, it could have been. been. Could have been. In and the framing would, of this movie, it absolutely it wouldn't have surprised have been. me. It wouldn't have surprised me. But what he says to her is what I'm like. She, you know, she's apologizing. She's like, "I'm sorry." He's like, "Look, as far as I'm concerned, you just made it to Mars and back, or something like that." And I'm like, "Jesus Christ!" All right, I get he's encouraging her, but I just felt it was a little silly. Get a room, <laughs> <laughs> basically. All right. She, you know what? Uh, though? I got. I kind of got all that because it was a little. Not on the level that she's trying to portray. Right. But, but like... You can totally understand. Well, that's... I was going to say, like, it, it kind of caught me a little bit because I'm like, I, I get this feeling a little bit because, like, there was a guy that used to live underneath me a few years back that I ended up having uh, quite a big falling out with that actually ended physically. Damn. And then he fucking called the cops on me and it was all a fucking big deal and shit, but not a big deal. Because then it didn't go anywhere after that, really. But anyway, this isn't the place for that story. The point is, though, is that he still lived under me for a few months after all that shit. And so so there was a while where there was, like, anxiety walking out. Because I don't know if he's going to try to fucking start shit again or not. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. And so it was like, oh. And so there was anxiety just opening and leaving the fucking place. Especially because, like, if I'm heading out the door then my back is directly to where his apartment is. Yeah. It, what I, <laughs> but it was, I, like, I can't relate to it on her level. Right, right, right. But, That's what I'm getting at. It's like, But I get it at the same time. Like, from oh, the storytelling fuck. standpoint, from certain victims, like, yeah, I totally get it. It's like, you see anybody coming at you, regardless of who it is, that's probably your first instinct because of the abuse and just all the shit that's piling up. That's the last thing you need, somebody coming at you like that. You know, you've already made the Zeus try to come outside anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, now you're vulnerable. So I get it. It's just the way it plays out a little bit. I thought it was a little silly. That's oh, all yeah, I'm getting no, at. That's, that's true. No, I agree with that. That's all I'm getting at. Um, I agree with that. As the Unabomber looking motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So right after that, her sister comes over, right? Which is another one of those things, too, that leads its hand is, you know, Cecilia gets mad because she's like, I told you not to come over here. He could be following you. He knows where you live and shit, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, in context and possibly in, in the frame of this film is like, there's a good possibility he might have been. Yeah. <laughs> because of what happens here in a little while is, anyhow, she basically tells uh, Emily, that is her sister, tells her that Adrian's dead, right? She receives a letter, basically, is what I was getting at. It's like, how the fuck did she get this letter? If nobody knows she's supposed to be there. Right. Yeah. Which maybe goes back to her sister. Not supposed to be in there in the first place. Anyway, this leads them to go into San Francisco is what I wrote down because I saw the bridge. So I'm assuming it was San Francisco. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And that's where they meet her husband, Adrian's brother, Tom. Tom. Who's like the head of the estate or whatever. And he's like, you know, um, Adrian left you all this money. He's like $5 million. There's... Certain stipulations, if you commit a crime within was it five years or however long something it is, like something that. like that, um, you know, you lose all the money, you have to forfeit it, blah, 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 blah. And that's uh, why you get something like 100000 a month. Yeah, it's like a pretty nice little payout. Mm-hmm. And what she does, because we learn that Sydney, the young girl, the daughter of James, who's, we have to know, he's an officer and appears that her sister might be as well. more than that. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, but she leaves her like 10000 so she can go to Parsons. And mm-hmm. that's where you said they celebrate and you get to see that really cool shot. It also happens that Cecilia gifts James a ladder 
because he's painting. And so there's a little subtle clues in the house that lead to something else that happens. There's a lot of really good setup and payoff throughout this yeah. entire movie. There's some really good bookending and some of it I'll, I'll wait to get into, but yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of setting up some things like that. And after they have, you know, their nice little party and all that good stuff, they wake up the next day because she's cooking breakfast, Cecilia that is. And that's, like I said, once she walks off camera to wake up Sid, the fire or in the pan rises mm -hmm. and they have to put it out. And now you're starting to get some clues that something's fucky going on, right? And um, yeah, so later on that night, she actually goes out and she has the breath. And then you see the second that breath. That was fucking cool. Yeah. That's that, like, oh, okay. Yeah. That was especially cool because they didn't do a music cue, they didn't have her notice. Yeah, I know. They didn't use it. It was just super subtle, and it's fucking creepy. It is, especially when you see it. You're like, oh, fuck. You know she's fucked. Because when she goes back in, and you know she it looks like she's closed the door, everything's hunky-dory, and then she hears the door open, and you're like, oh, this ain't good. And then, yeah, once she does go to sleep and all that stuff, you get to see the covers pulled, and then she wakes up out of her sleep, and she does the, the toss on the... Uh, under the chair. Yeah, which is which is clever because that's what you're kind of expecting. It's like, that's mm -hmm. how you're going to catch them. How you need that many sleeping photos of all the same position? It's like, click, 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 and it's a fucking flash every time. I'm like, you're going to fucking give yourself away, dude. Like, yeah, I mean, you get to see the flashes a little bit, too, before, you know, all that stuff happens, too, which I thought was pretty clever. But they're in the same position. Like, I understand yeah. if, like, you sit there and get one, and you wait a little bit, and they move around, and you're like, look oh, at that. yeah. Because that almost freak her out more when she sees him later. Because it's like I've been there all a long night, time, <laughs> all night. Yeah, instead of just instead of just burst. being like, yeah, he's trying to get that nut quick. <laughs> what it leads to is when she's pulling the cover back to the bed, it gets taut, and then it gets more tight. And starts stepping up. Yeah, she shit. freaks out, and I was like, "Damn, James is either really, really fast, or he was creeping." on them because as soon as she screamed he was in the room <laughs> i was like wow that was really fast or really good timing impeccable timing but anyway it's in real good shape though he might yeah. just be that quick he's it's just like, like boom. that's what i'm getting at it's like it could have been a coincidence or he's just like I said super super fast i could see that <laughs> anyhow you know he's just telling her he's like you know everything's all right don't let him win he's just trying to be you know, encouraging and just giving her support and, you know, just letting her know she's okay. I mean, for the most part, other than the weird relationship with her sister, which we don't have enough details of, so we can't really comment too well on, it seems like the people are doing their best to try to help her. It's just that, like, I'm not going to fucking believe somebody if they tell me somebody invisible's in the room with me. I know, right? You know what I mean? Like, they're acting as, as well as they can for the situation. Yeah, but yeah. But she it's like, is legit starting to sound more and more crazy. Like, Well, that's that's the thing, too. You brought that up with gaslighting and stuff like that. It's That's the whole point of that manipulative thing. It's mm -hmm. you telling people, like, oh, no, it's in your head. Oh, no, you're crazy. And that's so when she's hearing it, even though it's from somebody who's trying to be encouraging and, and supportive, it still probably feels a little bit like gaslighting, I would imagine. Yeah. Just sugar-coated, maybe. Yeah, the, the only difference is between traditional gaslighting and what this movie is, is he's not convincing her oh, she's no, no, crazy. Oh, no, no, exactly. He's convincing everyone she's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucked, man. Which I, I think that's really good because 
at a certain point mixed in with the diazepam and things like that, it drives people to think that they are going crazy because they lose a sense of themselves. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the whole point. So that's why I like it. It's a good depiction this film does of that. So anyhow, that's when she does have the interview and, you know, and she gives like little subtle things, and the and, that, but it sounds like the guy's trying to hit on her too. I was about to say that interview seemed weird to you. Like, yeah, were you getting a little bit of audition vibes for a second? A little like, bit, yeah. But he's like, Paris, is that where all the beautiful women in the world are required to go study? Yeah, exactly. And she just keeps she blows right through that, and that never comes back as anything. It's just a really fucking weird line. Exactly. You could argue perhaps that it's one of those things. That this picture is trying to make a social comment on is like, mm -hmm. this is a man in, in a position of power and he's making this sexual innuendo. To in an that abuse case, victim. I'd say it's just not focused on enough. No, that's what I'm getting at. It's like it's it's not, but it's just very subtle. Mm -hmm. Even though that's all you get, right? It doesn't go any further than that. You know, for you me, it was more just worth. like, did that just happen? I know. I was like, chill, bruh. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Yeah. And the thing that's fucked up about this whole thing, aside from that, is that when she pulls out her drawings or whatever from her portfolio, they're not even there. And so she's already like panicking. And, you know, he's like, yeah, it's okay. You know, just you can come back when you got them. No big deal. And Ow. Anxiety. Yeah. Anxiety. All that shit. All that pressure is melting. And she passes out. And I like the way that the camera kind of does that, too. They do a good job of that. Now, I wish they would have explained it more as a combination of, like, the anxiety with something, but they don't. Because in the hospital, they just say it's the amount of diazepam in your system that's going to fucking knock somebody out. Yeah. If she had that much diazepam in her system, she wasn't making it in there in the first place. No, 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 no I don't think so. She was running on. Who knows? She'd what be she was fucking wobbling on. back and forth. She would have sat down, probably Jeez, nodded out man. right there. <laughs> I know. Well... Also, what's revealed, if you listen close enough, too, is that the doctor is telling her about her blood work. Because I yeah. think she like gets released and all that stuff, and she's just taking the shower. Now, the difference between the trailer, apparently, is in the trailer you get to see the handprint. Hand. But in this case, they use the bottle to frame that. Mm -hmm. you know, Because when she's having the conversation, she sees the pill bottle on her sink, and it's after she heard that she's had all this diazepam in her system. But then the, what I was saying, the subtle thing that the doctor is telling her is that she's like, there's a, there's something else. I, I don't think we need to discuss it here, maybe in private. Uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, there's another clue. To what? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, after all that stuff, so I put that C and James, they go visit Tom and uh, – She's telling uh, Tom about Adrian. Oh, yeah, and spying on her. And, she, you know, she's telling him that he's not dead. And then he finally shows her some pictures. He's like, no, you know, he's dead. He manipulates. That's what he does. Don't let him win mm -hmm. by bringing him back and whatever. And then after that, that's when she goes visits her sister. And that's when they have that confrontation about the email and all that stuff. And so things are starting to kind of spiral for her because of all this shit that's happening. Right, and that was all really well done, but then it leads into, like, she has her big cry about it, yep. and Sydney comes to make her feel better. Exactly. Gonna have a girl's night, and then thwap. Yeah, thwap. And, and Sydney, you know goddamn well she didn't fucking hit you. Yeah, exactly. That was the one thing that bugged me about that scene. I'm like, 
I even rewatched it. I'm like, is her head turned in a way there's where this would be believable? There's too much distance. They're both at an angle that there's no way she could have got off that hit, you know, with that much force and what have you. But your first reaction in that isn't Sydney, what the fuck? It's simply what the fuck, because there's no way Sydney did it. My damn girl, you in the wrong damn career if you hit that fast. <laughs> <NR>. <laughs> but you know. So anyway, what that leads to is Sydney, of course. She cowers and she's like, "What? You know, like you said, what the fuck?" James comes in and even though he's trying to apologize, you know, she's like, "I didn't do this. I'm sorry." Blah blah blah. He's like, "Look, I just need to get my daughter as far away as possible right now," and so he leaves her by herself. <laughs> so that was a really cool and calm, collected way of him handling that situation. It was like, "I ain't going to kick you out or anything right now." He's Fucking, like, "I just want to get her away, to- remove her and myself from this equation right now." Now, unbeknownst to him, he, there's no way he could have known this, is that when he does, she gets a smart idea to, like, what she do? Doesn't she, like, read the email? She, like, she has her cry, and then she doesn't she, like, finally... Oh, I know what she does. She makes the phone call and stuff, or maybe she puts down the the coffee grinds or whatever it was. Yeah, she tries a, a few different things. She does the coffee grounds, and then eventually she goes looking and she finds... Oh, that's, that's exactly what she does. That's the first thing she does is after... They leave. She's she has what I wrote down is I uh, I know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. She's like, what are you waiting for? Where are you? <laughs> yeah, and then she lays down. I was like, man, she wasted all those coffee grinds, and it, it had no payoff. And then she finally decides to make the phone call, and she hears the cell phone ring in the attic. Yep. And you're like, oh shit, that's fucked up. So she uses the ladder that she got James earlier. She goes up there. And then she finds his phone. She's finding like her portfolio, a knife that her happens keys. to be yeah, her keys. I read that there was supposed to be some other stuff that was cut out. Was like there was supposed to be some food and some like lingerie and shit that he had taken oh. from her. You know, um, I think that there's a possibility in one of the scenes, you know, up there upstairs, is that you could see some of that stuff oh. and maybe in the background. But I never really paid close attention to any of that. Hmm. But anyway. I mean, something like that would still fit in since yeah, the daughter's trying to get sense. into fashion school. So if you see some lingerie on a fucking doll, it makes then... total sense. Yeah. What I liked about this too, which is another really cool thing, is when she's about to go down, before she goes down, she pours the paint and it gets to reveal. You're like, oh, yeah, she was right. So I think this movie has two of my favorite iterations of a jump scare that I've seen recently, like within good memory, when things are having to be fucking quiet and she accidentally hits the fucking dog bowl was oh, yeah. really good. Technically a jump scare. Yeah. Really I well done. I like that too, because th- you would expect that was the moment that was going to wake him up, but it was until the dog bumped into the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, in yeah. essence, it still was, Attach the dog, just not the way we thought it was going to be. <laughs> and then her pouring the paint. Yeah. You knew something was going to happen, but you didn't realize that he's right there. Oh, man, that would be fucking frightening. Yeah. Knowing that, that they're that close and you're just now realizing it. No idea. Yeah. He's right fucking there. That one was really fucking well done. In my but opinion. in a way, too, it, you know, I would imagine for her, it kind of vindicates all that shit she's been feeling and telling people and stuff like that. I was like, oh, yeah, now I have definitive proof, at least for me, for my sake. Yeah. 
So it, she's vindicated herself, which is now a good I start. Now I I'm not crazy. Right. I just have to convince everyone else. Right, and that's a great start for her. So um, it leads <laughs> to, it's cool the way they do it, but it's so silly when you watch it, is when she finally does have the struggle and she's trying to fight him off and stuff like that. It's, <laughs> it's kind of funny watching people swing at dead air. Yeah. You know, um, but you get it because it's a struggle, man. What the fuck do you do in that situation? That was one of the things I sort of brushed up against, though. I kind of even wish that they would have said something about it just to fucking, I don't know, just to point it out. But it felt weird that the suit also gives you like super strength. Yeah, that's another thing I noted too because he had freakish strength and kind of like super endurance because he does some things where afterwards you should hear him breathing heavy. Yeah. Now, Even if you, like, leave aside the fact that he can do it. Yeah. Like, some of that shit he should be breathing heavy after, and you never hear anything. I do have a question to pose, perhaps, when it comes to that, is that I think there's an argument that you can make that he could have been working in tandem with his brother. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. There's times where the only way some well, of this right, makes sense ha- is yeah. that they're bouncing back and forth more than just the one scene. Yeah, and I I, th- I feel like in this encounter, too, with her is because we eventually learn that she's pregnant, of course, right? Is that he doesn't want to do too much physical damage to her because of the pregnancy mm-hmm. and shit like that. So he's just roughing her up pretty good, you know, give her the, the, the once over, <laughs> you know what I mean? But what she does, she winds up, like, calling an Uber driver, and she's going out to the beach, and the guy's like, that's a long way from here, what have you. When she goes there, everything's kind of like pristine, covered up. But the, so, the tall tale sign is the dog coming out. And that's one of the things is like there's no way he got in the Uber with her. Yeah. There's yeah, no yeah, physical yeah. way it could have happened. So she got out there and immediately she didn't go check out anything else first. Mm-hmm. She immediately went downstairs and started mucking around trying to figure out yeah. what's going on. So presumably whoever was just at her house, whether it was Adrian or Tom... The other one is out at Adrian's place, staying there probably till night, and is going to switch off. Yeah. Heard her come in, put on the thing, the suit, yeah. and then started downstairs. Yeah. So that's where I understand the argument for this, is that because of the way the dog barks... It's probably Tom. Exactly. And I was like, that would make sense, because if it recognizes its owner, Adrian... It wouldn't have that reaction. Even though Adrian's a douchebag that had a shot collar Right, on it. yeah, exactly. But because of its training, it knows it, not to bark. Yeah. Makes total sense. You can assume that in this case it's Tom. Right, but what she's doing is she's kind of setting up things later on, right? She's like, she goes back in the closet. She's finding, so well, I think what she does first and foremost is she goes back in the lab because she's figured out finally like the code to get into that little room and she's recognizing like the cameras and the angles that it's doing in this room and then she hits this mode and it creates the suit it looks like or reveals the suit reveals the dude the suit was dope right yeah it was i really like that with all the cameras the miniature cameras and And that's when you finally understand what that clicking is if you've caught on to it well that's another thing those audio cues that could be lacking from our end my second time through, that was the coolest thing, was noticing what scenes actually have that clicking. Because I wasn't always listening for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just assumed it was whatever, or maybe I had the sound down too much, and I, I wasn't didn't hear it, it the first time through. The second time through, knowing that that clicking happens yeah. because of the suit, 
I was able to, I turned up the that's sound quite dope. a bit and I was like, oh shit, he's definitely in this scene. Nice. Like, that's, or see, that's, one of them is definitely in this scene. That makes the film, I think, more important when you do have that element at play. And you can, yeah, you can hear that stuff. So, And that's the neat yeah. thing too, is because like I said, sometimes the camera will act like someone's there in the room, but there's nothing yeah. There's nothing to hear. Exactly. That doesn't necessarily mean they're not there because it seems like the clicking mostly quits if nothing's really moving in the room. Yeah. It's only when those cameras are having to readjust. Makes sense. Yeah. So because of what she's discovered, right, she winds up making it out because what we mentioned, Zeus sparks and she's like, okay, someone's here. She's not taking that risk. And she makes it out. But what she winds up doing is when she's in the Uber, she's calling her sister to meet her at a public place. I think they said Yulon's. Well, they don't explicitly show it. Right. But she takes that suit. Yep. And, and she, she puts it, it back in her hidey hole. Yeah, she hides it. And we do know that he doesn't come into the hidey hole to see it until after she's done. Yeah. So he's still never actually found her hiding spot. That's the one place yeah, she no, was she, able to keep secret. That's what I was getting now. at. Yeah, she does hide. She's setting up things later on in the mm -hmm. film. It's the first setup was her getting the shit out of <laughs> and getting out of there. This was the second one, and then there's another one later on. But in the phone call, all she's doing is setting up a public meeting with her sister because of the information she just has. Right, her sister does make it out to that restaurant. They run into that fucking douchey ass <laughs> waiter, which I mean, it was it was he done was purposely. Trying to do his job. Yeah, it was like he did it. The way that the interaction happened was purposely. It was the sister funny. was the douchey one for the most part. Yeah, it's just like yeah, we know how this works. The free one, the free kind. <laughs> He's like, chill, girl, chill. But what C or Cecilia is doing is telling her sisters, like, look, I have evidence. You know, I found something, and she's. You know, her sister's like, cool, okay. But she's also telling her, she's like, you know, you're like this reinforcement, this intimidation thing. You know, I get, like I said, it seems like they're trying to maybe mend something. I mean, Elizabeth Moss in that scene is like building a hell of a bridge to make this connection back with her sister yeah. again. It just, it doesn't matter in 30 seconds. Oh, man, it's so fucked. Because what happens is you see a fucking knife just kind of floating and her sister sees it first. And then by the time she recognizes it's too late because her sister's throat's been slit by that knife. And no sooner than that happens, it's back in her hands. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? And, of course, a, a gal sees it, and she's freaking out. And, of course, I, this is probably another thing that theater would have been really cool is hearing the silence yeah. of that scene. Because the sound design of that scene is amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, and then that gives you the full impact of what she's experiencing in that moment you know and <laughs> what do you do in that situation all right so that fancy of a fucking restaurant like they have security cameras yeah yeah, yeah. Right? I, it would only make sense that it's something that upscale they would have some kind of security you really should have put that scene in like a shithole diner and that it is much emphasis as this film pays attention to for cameras and spying and what have you it would only make sense that yeah this restaurant would have that so people are going to look at that, yeah, and it's not going to make sense. Exactly. Like, Maybe what? you're still thrown in jail for a little bit, but they don't feel like they have a rock-solid case against you. That's for goddamn sure. That's like, man, how the hell are we going to pull this one off? <laughs> yeah, that's wild. I could even see you still getting convicted, because there's no, yeah. no way, good way to explain it. 
You know what I mean? But Explain they're not going to be immediately like, no, nah, you're, you're for sure. It'd be like, okay, this is fucking weird. <laughs> I know. Technically, you got the smoking gun in your hand, in this case, the knife. Mm-hmm. Literally seconds after the murder. But if you watch that tape... I know, but like, I ain't never seen no shit like this ever. <laughs> How do you explain that, man? Yeah. They're like, Maybe you get convicted on a technicality at that point. I know. There's a glitch in that. But there, how do you because prove that? Because there's a glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Something happened. She gets taken off to the hospital, handcuffs. You know, she's still screaming that Adrian did it. She winds up getting injected, calms her ass down. She has that uh, little meeting, I think, with Tom again and James this time. And he's like, you know, I shouldn't have left you alone. And because she's committed a crime, all that money has been, you know, she can't receive it anymore. But he gives her an option. He's like, look. And this when this was kind of a bombshell because this is when you know Tom's in on it. Yeah, you're like, this. This is like, there's a way it all goes away. This dirty motherfucker here, right? You have the baby. Yeah. He's like, oh, we can make all this disappear if you just go back to him. You have that baby. You know, you're like, oh, this dirty bitch. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's the big reveal there that he's not dead. And she's been screaming that the whole time. Before we get too much further, because yeah, yeah, yeah. we, we passed over one of the parts already. Did you catch the two old school Invisible Man shout outs? I saw the one. I mean, one in the bedroom is pretty obvious. The one in the bedroom is pretty obvious with the trench coat. Oh, the coat, second but... one was in the hospital, too. With yeah, the, the bandage. Yeah, guy. Yeah. I, I was like, that's pretty cool. Because in a, in a weird way, in a psych-out way, too, you could be like, oh, is that Adrian? But no, that's, that's more I of was kind of wondering that the first time I first saw it. through. I was like, ooh, that maybe? Maybe? Yeah. No. Oh. Just, uh, just a, oh, Invisible Man. We know what he looks like. No, I didn't see it mainly because I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't looking for it. But Billy the Puppet is supposed to be like... In some graffiti. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought I saw it the first time through, but I thought it maybe it was just my mind playing tricks on me, and I didn't even bother to pause, and then I read about it. But then the second time I was watching it through, I was too stoned, and I forgot to look for it. <laughs> that sounds about like us. <laughs> yeah, so... So I believe it's there. I believe I'm, it, too. I mean, it would only make sense, you know? So I didn't see it, but apparently it's in there somewhere. I think it was later on that night. That's what she does. She winds up stealing a pen from Tom's briefcase before that meeting adjourns with him, right? Because what she does is she also takes like a little piece of adhesive, I think, and oh, sticks yeah. it to like whatever she, like, that, that frame. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool on her part, you know, because uh, when she's back in her cell, I guess they're doing lockdown for the night, whatever. She does all the checks, but then she gets the pen. And this is where I was saying, like, the... Oh, I do want to say that her calling Tom the jellyfish version of Adrian was, was pretty actually good. pretty cool. Good. She's like, everything except He's, the spine. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, damn. She she went right for the jugular with that guy. Yeah, so the suicide. It, yeah. It's technically plan B, right? Like, right, she's right. trying to get him. Yeah, she's... But exactly. If he's not in there, she's him. totally okay with it being a real suicide. Yeah, I agree with that, too, because I think at this point, too, she's like probably like one of those situations where you're right. It's either do or die. That's that's the way to make sure he doesn't get what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to let you win. Fuck you. I'm going to I'm going to win one way or another. I'm either going to bait you out, which is what happens, and I'm going to fuck your suit up and hopefully fuck you up in the process. But yeah, she janks him a good couple times. (laughs) But plan B is absolutely 
you might not be in here. <laughs> I might be guessing wrong, but yeah. even if I die, that means you don't get what you want. So, yeah, exactly. So, so this way, is still this is still a win for me. Yeah, which is good because she does. She gets him out. He stops her, but she winds up janking him. That's when that fucking stupid security guard comes in. And he's like, you know, get back and back. That's all that stupid shit. <laughs> he gets all tased out. She makes it out, but then she gets accosted by two cops, security guards, whatever they are. And she's like, no, he's right behind us. And he starts going to town on all those fucking cops. Dude, Adrian's fucking beat down is so fucking cool. And it's definitely Adrian at this point, by yeah, the way. Yeah, for sure it is. That fucking scene in the hallway was really fucking cool. It was. And it was really those good. cops did not stand a fucking chance. No, even that one guy's like, lay down. <laughs> He's right behind you, stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I guess some yeah. of that camera movement that he uses where like, Sometimes when they get grabbed, it suddenly gets locked in as a face cam and you're just following them as they're getting like slammed against the fucking wall or whatever. Yeah. I guess he does some of that shit in Upgrade. Oh, that's pretty cool. Which makes me want to see it even more. Yeah. And I think with the name, that already implies like technologies involved. I've heard it described as the Venom movie that we should have had. Right. Like, it's like this guy is trying to get revenge and has like upgraded himself with some sort of technology, but oh, it's kind of like go. taking him over at the same time. And Oh shit. Some Tetsuo stuff. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Except not like, yeah. It's uh, wild penis tank. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I mean, cool. maybe I haven't seen it. Maybe an upgrade. He turns into a fucking penis tank. Possibly. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Adrian is like putting the smack down on all those cops. And she finally makes it out the exit. Not before she like turns the gun. She's like open the fucking doors on those guys. She makes it all the way out in the parking lot. And she starts blasting a couple rounds to just see if he's out there. Draw him out, whatever. He finally like catches up behind her and towards a van or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember exactly what he's telling her. Uh, I think he's kind of like giving her warnings. He's like, it'd be a shame. Uh, if he's something just like, happened, I'm not gonna hurt you. The way yeah. this works is that like I will hurt people that you love. Yep. And it's a shame that that innocent girl has to die. And you're like, oh, this motherfucker, dirty motherfucker. Yeah. And she finally gets away because he has to start off on some other cops. And she makes a phone call to James, and he's like, you know, all it amounts to, she's giving him a warning. He's like, look, you need to get back home. So it's in danger. And this is why I say that we know it's Adrian in the last scene. Yeah. Because he gets his suit fucked up. And he doesn't have time to change between there and James's house. Exactly. And then in James's house, it's Tom. definitively revealed as Tom. Right. Because what it amounts to, which is good. I mean, it's fucked up. James gets fucked up. James gets fucked up big time in front of his daughter on top of it. And you're like, damn. You're right. There's nothing he could have done. And not, yeah, not blaming him. No, no, no. There's absolutely nothing he, he could have done. fucked up. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's pretty good it's fucked but cecilia makes an end time she sprays him down with the fire extinguisher the setup being from the kitchen earlier in the film Mm -hmm. she winds up plugging him a few times and uh once she pulls off the mask it's revealed that it's tom and then you know it's like all right we've got the killer it kind of vindicates you james is trying to tell her he's like look you know We've got them. They found Adrian because you, we see the SWAT team or whatever it is. They find him behind a, a wall in his basement. Presumably he was 
kidnapped or whatever, held hostage by his brother. It's just like, no, this is this is what he wants Bullshit. you to believe. This is what yeah. he's done to me the whole time. I'm like, I understand why they're not just taking her at her word because things are still really murky. Yeah. The thing is, things are murky enough that they also shouldn't just be like, just write her he's off. definitely the victim. Right. And she makes a, a solid point when she says, she's like, look, if he can fake his death, he can fake this. And that's the point I'm kind of getting at, too. Like, the detectives on this case should be like, well, yeah, we just found we just found him tied up, but we also have crime scene photos of him. Something's not adding up, and we probably shouldn't just be saying he's the victim right now. Yeah, that exactly. There's too many things that don't add up. Right. We need to still get to the bottom of this because there's still something Ashes, fucking going on. Crime scene photos, presumably. Yeah. At the, I mean, at the very least, he committed some sort of identity fraud. I don't yeah. know insurance fraud. I don't. I don't know exactly, but yeah. His fucking, because he was officially, like, they had crime scene photos. The yeah. will got set in motion because he was officially So it's a legal dead. beagle. So something happened. Some sort of fraud happened. <laughs> someone Especially got Especially with his assets. Yeah, someone got greased up. Because we haven't really talked about the fact that this dude is basically Tony Starks. Dude, that house was boss. He basically has, like, Iron Man fucking laboratory in his basement yeah it's pretty sweet <laughs> it's really nice all right so she's like i said trying to tell james like look you know this is what he's trying to do and uh she makes a phone call and adrian's like uh he's like hey i'm glad you called yada yada she makes it all the way back out there and you know he's trying to welcome her back and she says like i'm not comfortable she does a couple things and her cleverness in this film is when they are inside the home and he's like, you know, well, look, we can have shrimp, steak, whatever else. She chooses steak, A, because she's going to need some utensils, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And from earlier, if you pay attention, what she did really early on in the film, she set up the cameras in the house a certain way in a certain position. It wasn't only just to watch him sleep. Oh, right. But she also had it centered in the little dining area too. So that's really clever. What she's trying to do, and it looks like what she's trying to do is get a confession out of him because she's like, look, if you want to be a part of mine and our child's life, you're going to have to start, you know, telling the truth. And she's just like trying to get him to confess all the shit that's happened with her sister, with Tom, the whole nine yards. And he's like, no, no, he's not, he's not wanting to do it. Because we also see James out listening to the conversation. So we assume that he's probably wiretapping it, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she gets a little upset because of all this shit. She's like... Now, first time through, <laughs> I was kind of curious on whether cool. he was tapping it with her knowledge or without. Oh, good point, too. I didn't think about that, but... Because he just yeah. got fucking beat down. Something right, yeah. Maybe and, he's doing, like, the just in case. he's trying to be, like, the yeah, the just in case, like... I'm her friend. I need to be believing her, even if the system isn't right now. Yeah, and he kind of does. He kind of says that too. He's like, "Look, even if this is true, he's like, this is your, you know, this is your get free card." Basically, he's like, "Are you absolutely sure?" I mean, he's trying to do the right thing, even though it's probably not the 100% right thing. If that makes sense, right? He's just trying to make sure that she's free first and foremost. Adrian's situation's still fucky, but I've already pointed that out. Yeah, exactly. So past that, he's doing his best of the thing he can. <laughs> yeah. What I do like is how 
all this shit starts to like starts to play out because once she's like all right she needs to like you know gather herself so she goes to the washroom and once it cues back to adrian you see how everything's nice and neat everything is in its right place it looks like until the knife kind of yanks up to his throat and then it slices and you're like oh shit <laughs> all right and then james can hear all this you, you would imagine mm-hmm. hear what's going on especially the silence and like what the fuck and when she comes out you see that she's staging these because she makes the call she's going through the motions and as soon as she gets out of camera view yeah you're like oh. <laughs> right and james comes in after everything's said and done and you know she's telling him he's like no you heard it i don't know what happened but he killed himself you heard it he sees what she has in the bag and he's like uh yeah that's what i heard and she has her moment and that's the thing it was like this is my fight <laughs> but no i mean you would imagine at that point every, she has total vindication like she's free of this abusive relationship she probably just ruined a relationship with james Right. I don't think he's the type of guy to dig the fact that he like he knows that she knows Deep down, yeah. that he was gonna have this reaction to it. Yep. And he doesn't like feeling used in that way because he's a cop. Exactly. He wants to try to do the right thing. But yeah, and then see that's the catch twenty two for him is like And this means he's uh, technically letting a murderer go loose. In this situation, it's like what would you do? Would you it's like, oh no, I'm I'm the law. I had to lock you up or like, no, this woman's been through the ringer. But that, and that's the thing. She also needed, at this point, it wasn't just all the abuse her fucking Adrian put her through, but he also has, him or Tom has also killed her sister. Yeah, her sister's dead. He put a threat on James's daughter and him directly. The one thing I forgot to bring up, I didn't, wasn't reading my notes well enough. I'm wondering how intentional of a shout out this is. It's revealed that there's been two killers the entire time when they're trying to kill Sydney. Yeah, that's a good point, huh? Little scream shout out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I could see that. It makes sense. Maybe, maybe not. But second time through, I was like, oh yeah, her name's Sydney. And this is when we find out that there's another that's a one. Good point. Yeah, dude. I like that. I can totally see that. Them being fans of Wes Craven, all that stuff. Yeah, it only makes sense. I think that's a good connection. So there's talk of them doing a sequel. Yep. This movie was never supposed to be this movie. No, it's supposed to be a standalone, right? It's just a one-off. Well, no, I mean, this one is was originally supposed to be a standalone. But this grew out of the fact that they w- had been trying to make an Invisible Man with Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah, yeah. That dark was supposed universe. to be part of the Dark Universe. Yeah. Yeah. That fell through, and they just sort of shifted that production to doing this instead. And this is supposed to be a standalone, but Juanel uh, and Elizabeth Moss seem to have sort of given into pressure that, like, look, if people want it, we'll do a second yeah. one. And they're still trying to make the Dark Universe happen. Do you think if they make a second one, it gets tied into the Dark Universe? Do you even want to see a second one? I mean, I'd be interested. Don't get me wrong. It just depends on what their vision is for it, you know? I'd say, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd be more than willing to check it out. It's just like, it just depends on what the premise and all that shit is. Mm-hmm. And there's also supposed to be a invisible woman with Elizabeth Banks. That is unclear how it's going to tie in or if it's going to in any way, or if it's going to be 
strictly dark universe or huh. not even dark universe and simply a remake of the old invisible woman or and I think this technically already used one or two very light plot points from The Invisible Woman rather than just being a straight adaptation of Invisible Man, which huh. it obviously is not. But <laughs> Good point. No, I think it'd be interesting just to see what their vision is for all of this stuff. You know, It's like, why not give them a chance if, if, you know, if it doesn't do well? Oh, well, at least you tried. Yeah. Like I said, it seems that she ruined her relationship with James. And maybe you can use that as part of something to spur on a sequel and still Perhaps. make it like emotionally resonant in some way. Yeah. Especially because well. those two sh probably should have just been fucking by that point anyway. <laughs> the way it was going. All right. We do know that there's a progeny. They had, there was a, a child involved. Mm -hmm. Right. So you, there's something that could be spun out of that. Claude Rains is original invisible man was kind of a sympathetic character that just gradually lost it as he was invisible, right? You have the setup for her at the end of this movie to be a sympathetic invisible man. And then you can take it in whatever direction you want, where she goes all the way dark, she starts to go dark and then goes light again because yeah. you want to, you know, keep her someone we Sustain. all like. Yeah. The, you know, it just sort of depends where you want to go in the story on that point. That's but point. I suppose you have a setup where going into a second movie you could view her as a Claude Rainsian sympathetic invisible man who probably I mean she's been through the fucking ringer she'll probably start to do some fucked up shit it's just whether yeah. you keep her going that way or not you know what I that's mean that's a solid point yeah it, like I said it's just there's a lot of things they can do they, they have some wiggle room to play with so yeah we'll see what happens I suppose the suit's dope I do like that a lot. That's a really cool concept. I think, too, some uh, interesting things that weren't fleshed out, and this is just like nerdy thing, is like, who was he working for? Was he an independent contractor? Was this government-based stuff? Because depending on all that, there's some other stories that could get you know woven out of it that you can play upon, too, perhaps. Like, there's probably bigger hands at stake. <laughs> so who knows? All right, so other neat things. Myself bringing up the suit again reminded me. The suit design looks like... Oh, shit. That's what I didn't look up. It looks like a, a Greek mythological Argus. figure, the Argus Panoptes. Many-eyed giant. I think I had something like 100 fucking eyes or something stupid like that. You'd be watched by the eyes of Argus. I think that might be where they get... Argus in the comics, whichever one uses Argus, I can't fucking remember right now. Often one, yeah, described with multiple often 100 eyes. He was, Panoptes is the all-seeing. Cecilia, her full name is Cecilia Cass. Cecilia means blind in Latin. Cass could be, especially spelled with a K, could be assumed to be a shortened version of the Greek Cassandra, which in mythology was cursed to utter true prophecies that nobody <laughs> believed that's pretty cool and i can see that she's blind she can't see him she's blind yep and but keeps she, telling people all these things that, that nobody come from, believes yeah to come to fruition as well I, and I he think, looks like the mini-eyed giant like so i think knowing some of what these guys do whether it's writing techniques stuff like that showing their influences in these clever ways if nothing else that's just clever i think it is too and i think it even maybe um, solidifies a little bit or maybe, you know, 
gives you a little bit more backing for the whole Sid connection too with the Scream connection. Mm-hmm. It's probably no coincidence that's why he chose that name for the character. Yeah, and he probably didn't choose the name Sydney and then walked her into that situation. Yeah, he probably just had like a placeholder name and realized when it's that like, happened. Yeah. Like, all right, her name's going to be Sydney. Kind of like when they came up with the suit design, they were probably like, well, yeah, it looks like this. Somebody on set was nerdy enough to be like, that design looks like this. Exactly. And I, I think that's. And a, a from good point. there, they probably went, well, let's tie at least one other thing to that then. And that yeah, does part of our job for us. Just yeah. By is there any, maybe, reference. yeah, maybe some really cool connections to this. Yeah. I like that. Or maybe they planned it all in. I don't know. But I think it's really neat that they made these neat connections. Yeah, that they even took the time to do it. It gets us talking. Because when you get multiple <laughs> ones like that, it's obviously not an accident, at oh, least with yeah. the, the Greek references. Which I think is really cool. So yeah, like, so I enjoyed the film. Like I said, the one thing I wished, probably like you were saying, is it would have been cool to have seen this in the theater with some of the elements that we didn't get at home. So I feel like it would have added a, a really cool you know, addition to the film. I'm still going to complain that the movie feels really fucking long, but once again, I'm going to add the caveat that I don't know what to cut, though. And yeah. ultimately, it was a movie that I still really enjoyed and would highly recommend if you haven't seen it before. Yeah, especially if you don't necessarily want to watch like the old, quote unquote, old, you know, Invisible Man. You want to watch a modern take or whatever. Also, I don't know if we mentioned the fact that Elizabeth Moss crushes it in this movie. Yeah, she does a great job, man. Emoting and giving you a sense of like the layers of things she's going through, you know. She's going through moments of clarity. She's going through moments of like, what the fuck is going on? You know, and they do a good job of, of showing that in this film too. It's because of her performance. Now I'd say, I mean, I don't think anybody gives a bad performance. Yeah. The worst performance is probably Adrian, but that's fine because you have him in the movie for He's all not in it for very long. Yeah. Big deal. <laughs> Big deal. But yeah, I, th- I think it's good for the amount of people that are in this film. They didn't do too much. You know, they weren't trying to overload you with people. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even like you said, with the two-hour long, it still had a good pacing, you know, especially when when the turn happens. I feel like that was when I was like, oh, shit, now I'm really involved. (laughs) It it did everything right to make you feel like there might be somebody there. Yeah, Which is the scary part of this, so. Yeah, so kudos. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if they continue this, and if not, that's okay, too. I'd be happy with... This. I hope they have as good of success with all the other Universal reboots that they're going to try. Yeah, I mean, you would like I to see it. think we're getting a Wolfman next. I think you're right. Isn't uh, Yeah, I've seen a couple names attached to it, so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I think Gosling. That's what I was going to say. I've seen some pretty big names attached to it. Ooh, I'm down for Gosling, Wolfman, man. Yeah, he's a good he's actor, dude. He's a good actor. I like him. Cool. We haven't decided next week. No, we haven't. Fuck. <laughs> We were we did really good for like one week. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to do it again. <laughs> Sometime we'll do it. We get stoned a lot. Yeah. Anyway, to listen to us next week, please hit subscribe. However you're listening to us right now, if you can rate and review, however you're listening to us right now, that also be super cool because the entire world is ran on algorithms, and we want to get up in them algorithms so that you can continue to listen to us. And other people can, because they'll be like, ooh, what's this? Because it'll pop up, because they'll be like, I like horror, I like podcasts, and, you know, you all know how this shit works at this point. 
You can also head over to our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Check out all of our back catalog over there. Contact us through the website or by emailing us, squirmcast at gmail.com. While you're over at the website, you can also click the links up at the top where you're part of the Earworm Podcast Network. Check out the other shows there. Listen to me talk about a bunch of nerdy shit over on General Nerdery. Go listen to the boys at the Art of Wargaming. Talk about, well, Wargaming, like Warhammer mixed with uh, war treatises like The Art of War and other things such as that. Another show kind of upcoming soon, hopefully. Uh, Word Balloons, you can hear us talk about some of the details over on the latest General Nerdery episode. Oh, yeah. That will hopefully be out before too long, but there is some uh, time sinks getting in the way. Notably, the two other people working on it moving in the next oh, month. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that will be before the end of the year at this point, though, for pretty much sure, I would, I would say, because that's a lot of time. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, search for us, Fried Squirms, across all the social medias. I think I covered everything. I don't fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, once again, we do like your suggestions and your recommendations for films. Makes picking out next week's episodes that much easier. And also, if you're an independent filmmaker and you have a film that needs some eyeballs on those, let us know where he's up for checking out your films. We're going to go figure out what we're going to talk about next week. But we love you. We love you a lot. Long time. Fried squirms out. out.